Well, good morning. You made it. It was raining outside and you made it to church. Give yourselves a hand. I mean, look at you. And you survived the rain? Oh, man, praise the Lord. And for those of you watching online, we love you, and you can still make the 11 o'clock. It's all right. You can do it. You can do it. We believe in you. Um, it's, uh, I always say there's, there's two things that keep people out of worship. Amazing weather and terrible weather. It's just like, if it's amazing, it's like, oh, we can go to the beach today. We can go to Disney World today. And then terrible weather. Oh, let's just watch online. Let's, it's just, let's stay in our pajamas. And so there's just something uh, about being together. I'm thankful uh, that you're here, thankful for your presence, and uh, just looking forward to uh, what God has in store for us. And uh, all joking aside, if you're connecting with us online, we are thankful for this technology that keeps us connected. We're grateful uh, that you're with us uh, online. And we look forward, if you've never been here in person, uh, to when we can get to know you in person Uh, And we just know many people will connect with us online before they ever step foot in these doors. And so we look forward to that day for you. So um, this is our final week in this series that we've been in, Rethink Church. And uh, next week we kick off a brand new sermon series talking about dealing with feelings. And uh, we're going to be talking about the emotions that we all have. Um, And some of us are uh, more emotional and some of us are are more kind of even keel with our emotions, but all of us have emotions, good and bad, and we're going to be talking about those emotions and how scripture can help us navigate those emotions, particularly how the book of Psalms can help us navigate those emotions uh, in a biblical way, in a way that is God-honoring, and uh, as we wrestle with emotions that God gave us that are good, um, we just need to know how we can handle them in ways uh, that would be pleasing uh, to the Lord and would be fruitful in our lives. And so I'm looking forward to that as we jump in. If you know someone in your life um, who would just say, hey, I think this would be a blessing to them, I encourage you to invite someone to come with you next week. Uh, even as we talk about what we're talking about today, um, it just reminds us that we can't, we can't just say, hey, this is great for me. Uh, but God wants us to say, Uh, God's doing good things in my life and to share that with someone else so that they too can experience all that God has for them. And so uh, today we're going to wrap this series up and uh, we kind of began, let me just start, if you have your notes, you can uh, take some notes this morning and follow along. Um, But just to recap a little bit, we began this whole sermon series by saying that our church must first focus on those who are not here yet. Uh, we, we've got to be a church that is outwardly focused, and uh, we, we need to uh, think about uh, how we can reach people that aren't here yet. And I know whenever we say those kinds of things, that the people who are here, those of us who have our families here, we go, well, what about me? And, and what about my family? And what about my needs? And, and it's not that we, we don't care about those things, but but Scripture tells us very clearly, Jesus tells us very clearly, that His church is to be an outwardly focused church. Matthew 28, 16 to 20, Jesus came and told His disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go, a very outward language, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them, again, this is others' language, it's not us, it's them, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and then teach these new disciples to obey the commands I've given you. And so uh, Jesus is telling us, hey, we're to be outward. We're to go to them and we're to teach these, the the ones that aren't here yet, 
uh, to obey all the commands I've given you. And again, every time we have the feeling of, oh yeah, but what about me? I'm here, don't I matter? Of course you matter. Jesus says this at the end of all of those verses in, in verse 20. He says, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so Jesus says, as you go and as you baptize them and as you do all that, as you focus on them, I'll be with you. And that's what, that's the, what we get. We get Jesus and that's enough. That should be enough for us that we get Jesus. And, and whenever we say, but I need Jesus plus this, we, we've, we've messed up because Jesus is enough. And, and, and if we will, according to Scripture, Jesus says if, if we will focus on him, if we will seek him, then all of the other things that we think matter will be added unto us, that, that he'll take care of us as we focus on him. And so then we talked the second week about how our church needs to be a church that encounters God. We need, we need to have encounters. It's not just about getting smarter. It's not just about learning more information and getting more biblically accurate. It's about having encounters with God, that God doesn't want us to study Him. He, he wants us to have encounters with Him. And we just, we talked about how every week the Lord's presence is here. When we corporately gather as the church, because this building is not the church, we are the church. And when the church corporately gathers together to worship, Scripture says that He is with us, that His presence is with us. Jesus uh, tells us in, in Matthew 18, 20, for where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. And so if Jesus is here every single week, if God's presence is here every single week, and you're here, but we're not having encounters. I don't know if you've ever had that happen. Just transparency, there have been times where I've gone to church services, and, and I've sat through a worship service, and, and I've not had an encounter with God. I've had that happen in my life. I'm sure you've had that happen in your life where you, you sit through a worship service and, and you're really focused on what's for lunch afterwards or you're really focused on some other detail or you're you know, taking a grocery list you know, through the... There's just, I mean, that's reality, right? We, we've had those moments. But whenever that happens, whenever we show up to a corporate worship experience and, and the Lord's presence is here and we're here, but we don't have an encounter, it's not that God didn't want that encounter. It's that our hearts weren't in a good place. The soil of our heart was not where it wanted to be. And so we studied this parable that Jesus told about the four soils. And, and we talked about three things that we all need to do. That We need to plow up the hard ground of our life. We need to put down roots and we need to kill the weeds that are choking out these encounters with the Lord. And, so, uh, and, and then last week we talked about how our church has got to be a church that equips and empowers the church to do ministry. That this, this false separation between clergy and laity um, that, that is not in the Bible, it's not Jesus' intent that there would be a few people that would do the ministry and there would be a mass a group of people that receive the ministry, but, but we all are to be doing ministry. And certainly there are, there are roles for pastors and leaders and, and teachers that that uh, biblically our role, my role as a pastor, is to equip and empower the saints to do the work of the church. But we're all called to do ministry, that, that we're all called to be on mission. And, and the best ministry that's going to happen in our church won't happen here on Sunday mornings. The best ministry in our church is going to happen Monday through Saturday by you as you go from this place and you do ministry out in the world because all of you have spheres of influence 
that God wants to use you in. And yes, we can use our gifts here on Sunday, and we should, but we've got to be the church, not just on Sunday morning. We've got to be the church that, that goes from here and is a church on mission, being a light in the midst of a dark world. And so today we're going to talk about this idea of expanding and engaging expanding and engaging. And so when you look at the, the New Testament church, particularly in the book of Acts, and we're going to look at several passages in the book of Acts, but when you look at the New Testament church, there is just this clarity about the church that is just constantly expanding. And so um, in your notes, you can just write this down. We've got to keep expanding and engaging. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 41, it says this, those who accepted his message, this is kind of at the birth of the, the New Testament church, the Holy Spirit has come, and, and after the Holy Spirit came on those that were gathering and praying, they went out, and, and Peter preaches this amazing message, and it says, those who accepted his message were baptized, about 3,000 were added to their number that day, and so the, the Holy Spirit comes, uh, there's this powerful message is, is communicated, and, and, and the church just begins an expansion on that day, and, and it never stopped. It never stopped, and, and, and since that day, the church has just been expanding, and, and the church has been moving into new territories and connecting with new people, and it's, it's all been because people who were a part of the church were willing to share what God was doing in their lives with other people, that they were all on point doing ministry. And, and, and so what the problem is, is there is a real thing, I don't know if you know this, there's a real thing called size culture. There's a real thing in churches, in, in, in worship gatherings, uh, because again, we talked about this, there's, there's one capital C church. Every follower of Jesus uh, who would say, I'm, I'm following Jesus, and, and I, I would believe in the historic Trinitarian creedal statements of the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed, these, these we would say, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. There were one capital C church. But there are lots of local expressions of that capital C church. We're one local expression. I tell people all the time, there are lots of great churches in our community. We like to think we're one of them, but we're not the only church that's professing Jesus Christ as Lord and, and, and following Jesus and teaching people to follow Jesus. And we're not in competition with those other local expressions. We're partnering together to expand the kingdom. We're, we're on mission together. But the thing is, is there's this thing called size culture. And, and because of size culture, this is, um, this is what you'll hear people say. People will say things like, well, well I, I don't like that church, it's too small. Um, I, I don't like that church, it's too big. Um, I don't like that church, you know, because, you know, there's, there's certain things about that church. And so we, we, we have these, I like a certain size. And, and that's just human nature. Some of us gravitate to different sizes, and we just like different sizes. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine recently who um, lives uh, not in this area, in this community, and, and he was saying that their church, le their family left a church because it was, it was too big, um, and so they went to a church that was a little smaller, felt a little more comfortable, um, and here they are two years later, and he said, now we just wish that they could like kind of get their act together in some areas and he was just being really honest with me he was like it just really bothers me that this church they don't get this right and they don't get and I, I just kind of miss the excellence of the bigger church and I'm thinking about going back to the bigger church but he, but he even as he was just wrestling with this he was like but I know that's not good I shouldn't just keep going back and forth because I, I just 
I, I know God needs to just help us be content and help us maybe make this church better. And so it was, it was just this reality that sometimes we get into this, well, I like this and I don't like this. And, and this is why in America, people just kind of bounce from church to church. And people just kind of go, well, I like this one because of this. And I like, and then when I don't like that, I go to the next one. And I like that one because of this and all of these things. And, and there's this false question that people ask. And that is the question of, should I go to a church that's expanding getting bigger or should I go to a church that's smaller and really good at engaging because size culture would say this a smaller church connects people better you you can't slip into a small church you you go to, you slip into a small church um, you, you can't you can't fly in under the radar it's like everybody's like yeah there's a new person and like everybody in the church comes and connects um, and and the bigger the church gets the the harder that becomes for a church to just naturally Connect with new people, right? Uh, because then you have to you have to develop some systems to help you connect with new people, and you have to develop systems to help new people connect in. But but at smaller churches, it just happens naturally. As churches get bigger, then then there has to be a lot more intentionality about that. Um, and the problem is, as we say, well, do I want one or the other? And what I want to argue to us this morning is that, that that goes against the heart of the kingdom of God. Because when we say, I want one or the other, we're, we're picking one good and we're leaving out one good. That There has got to be both of these. That the church has got to be expanding and the church has got to be engaging people in community. And it, it, it can't be, well, I'm going to pick one and I'm not going to do the other. Because if you say, well, I'm gonna, I want a really engaging church, but I don't want it to grow. I don't want it to expand any because if it expands any, then it'll get out of my comfort zone and I won't like it anymore. On the other side, we, we don't want to say, well, I want to be a part of an expanding church, but I don't want to be in community. I don't want to connect with it. I, I really want to just kind of slip in and fly under the radar. And that's not good either because the church is meant to have community. And so the church needs to be expanding and connecting new people but the church has also got to be engaging and helping us be in relationship with one another. It's not one or the other, it's both. And so uh, in Acts chapter 2, verse 47, it says this. Let me pull this up. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be hanging out in Acts for a little bit. So Acts chapter 2, verse 47, says this. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. There was this, there was this expanding church, right? There was, it, was, it started with this 3,000, but then it just kept expanding and expanding from this point on. But the verse right before that verse is really important because what helped them uh, experience this fellowship and, and those who were this adding to the fellowship and those who were being saved was this. In verse 46, it says this. They worshiped together at the temple each day and they met in homes for the Lord's Supper. So there was kind of like a, a larger gathering in the temple and then there was a smaller gathering in homes for the Lord's Supper and they shared meals with great joy for each other. And then it says, and all the while they were praising and enjoying the goodwill of the people and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. It says this in uh, Acts chapter 5, verse 42. And every day in the temple, so in a large gathering, and from house to house, 
they continued to teach and preach this message that Jesus is the Messiah. So there was, there was kind of this, this larger gathering where people were coming together in the temple, and, and then there were smaller gatherings where people were gathering from house to house, and they were, it was much more relational, and it was much more connectional. And, and then um, in Acts chapter 20, verse 20, it says this, You know that I have not hesitated, Paul says, uh, to, to preach anything uh, that would be helpful to you, but have taught it publicly and house to house. And so there's this, this sense that um, there's this larger gathering, and then there's a smaller gathering. And, and the, the point of the New Testament church was there was engagement. There was, there was intentional engagement uh, in relationship in smaller gatherings, but there was also incredible expansion. And it wasn't one or the other. It wasn't, well, we want to expand, but we don't want to engage. Or we really want to engage, but we don't want to expand. It was, it was both. It was expansion in reaching new people with the gospel and engagement uh, in, in relationships with the people uh, that were around them. And so um, reasons why, or some myths about the expanding church, and you know you can write these down, or, or maybe another way to say that is, what are some reasons why people resist the expanding church. I'm just telling you, people resist this. Um, people, uh, some of you, uh, if you're not careful, will unintentionally resist the expanding church, which is certainly what we see in the New Testament. Is what, it's what the gospel wants. But because size culture is real, we resist expanding the church because we have our comfort zones. And the, the first reason is this. We need quality and not quantity. People will say these kinds of things. And, and you can tell when a church starts to get out of someone's size culture and someone's comfort zone when you start hearing them say things like, well, hey, we need more quality and not quantity. And, and sometimes, um, sometimes what really we're trying to do is just say, hey, this, is, this, this helps me stay in my comfort zone. It, it helps me uh, if, if we will just stay a kind of just the few of us and, and we'll be deep disciples. And, and because I'll just tell you this, as the church reaches people who have baggage in their lives, and, and some of us are those people. Um, but if you would say, well, I've, I've never had baggage. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, then I'm not talking to you. Just let me talk to the other people. For, for, for those of us who've had baggage in our lives, okay, as the church reaches people that are broken, as the church reaches people that have baggage, as those people start to come into the church and the church begins to expand, have you ever read the book of Corinthians? Have you ever read First and Second Corinthians? They were a train wreck. Like, the church was a mess when, when, the church, when the church begins to reach people who are far from God and they begin to come in, like, church gets messy. Church, like, it, it just gets messy. And so, um, because we don't always like that messiness, and we like it when there's just a handful of us and we're all deeply devoted disciples, let's go for quality, not quantity. Because when you start bringing quantity in, you start reaching new people that are broken, you start reaching new people that haven't got their lives, they haven't been walking with Jesus for 50 years, they bring some messes with them, and, and church gets messy. Again, read the book of Corinthians, um, and you'll know what I'm talking about if you don't know what I'm talking about already. And so um, that's just one of the reasons uh, people resist. The other is this. God isn't interested in numbers. Really? There's an entire book of the Bible called Numbers. Um, <laughs> Of course God's interested in numbers. Now, um, I know some of you are mathematicians. I am not a mathematician. Numbers are not my strong suit. I like to 
Preachers just average everything up. That's what we do. Um, but I've got some people around me that are really good at numbers. They're very detailed in numbers. But I'm just telling you, God cares about numbers. Um, he, the Bible tells us he knows the numbers of hairs that are on your head. Just think about that. The Bible says that he knows when one sparrow falls to the ground. Of course God cares about numbers. He, he absolutely cares about the details and the numbers. Um, and, and people get uncomfortable when pastors or preachers start talking about reaching more people or start calculating numbers or saying, hey, we did this and numbers. And it just makes people uncomfortable. I would just say, um, if you know that you're one of those numbers, it'll help you not be uncomfortable with that. Because every number matters. Because every number is a person and you're one of those persons, I'm one of those persons, my kids are some of those persons, like every number matters because every number is a person, and every person has a soul, and every soul matters to God. Yes, numbers matter because numbers are about people, and people matter. So we ought to get, you'll never, you'll never catch me if you come up to me and you say, hey pastor, how many kids do you have? You'll never catch me say, oh, somewhere between one and five. Uh, <laughs> Like, I don't like, you know, oh, it's four, it's four kids, it's four kids. And if, if we go to a theme park and we're leaving the theme park and we get into the vehicle and we go, now, how many kids do we have? Oh, three, that sounds about right. You know, two, all right, we're good. No, we, if we don't have four kids with us, we're like going back because we got to go find the one that's lost, right? So, so numbers matter, the, the details matter on these things. And so we count whatever's important. Think about that in your life. The things that are important to you, you count, right? You, you probably know how much is in your checking account, um, or at least you do before you go make a big expenditure, right? You, you, you count the things that matter to you, and the church has got to count because numbers are people, and people matter. And we absolutely ought to count those things. Um, the other thing, though, that people will say is if the church gets too big, it'll be impersonal. If the church gets too big, it'll be impersonal. Um, and, you know, there's some truth. There's some truth to this, okay? I'll just be honest on this. That it's possible, it is possible as the church gets bigger for it to become impersonal. If, if the church is not very intentional to say, hey, we've got to, to keep finding ways to connect people. If the church is not careful, that can happen. But I'll just tell you, there are medium-sized churches that are very impersonal. There are small churches that are very impersonal. Like, it, this isn't about size culture. Um, it is, it's easier to be kind of personal in a very small church, and it, it takes more intentionality as the church gets bigger, but this isn't about size. This is about attitude. It, it's, about, um, it's about intention and culture. Um, I will say this. It's easier to hide in a bigger church. Uh, it's, it's easier to hide in a bigger church. So again, if you go into a really small church, you're not getting in and out without like, you know, 10 people like, you know, tackling you in the foyer, like, ah, new people, right? It's just, it's just how it happens in, in a really small church. Um, so when I pastored uh, my very first church, we had about uh, 50 people in this church. We were directly across the street 
from the 20th largest church in America. John Maxwell was on teaching staff at the church across the street. Um, and so every Sunday morning, I would drive. I was always the first person in the church. I would pull up to my church, and there would be a traffic guard directing hundreds of cars into the church across the street. And they would stop traffic to allow my one car to go into our parking lot. And then they would go back to hundreds of cars. And you want to talk about every week, just like utter, like, oh, like um, there was lots of lessons that were learned in those years. But um, I mean, if a new person strolled into our church, we had 50 people in our church, like there was no way they were getting out without almost every person in the church talking to them. It was just, it, it was, it's just hard to slip in and slip out. As the church gets bigger, it's just easier to fly under the radar. It, it's just easier. So, but again, this is about your heart and your intention and your attitude. And let me just coach you up, all right? So if you slip into church five minutes after we start, and 45 seconds after I give a benediction, you're in your car driving out of the parking lot. I mean, like, you know, if you're like, you know, ready, get set, you're dismissed. And you're like running to the car, and you get in the car, and you're out the parking lot. You know, it's, I, yeah, you, you can... You cannot connect a lot. There, there's some intention that you have to take uh, to, to be involved, to connect, to be willing to connect. So connection is a choice, whether it's a small church, medium church, large church. If you want to connect, you can make that choice to say, hey, I want to take some steps to be intentional. And, and I believe as you take those steps and as we as a church try to be intentional to help people connect, that God will help us expand and uh, focus on engaging people in meaningful relationships because both of those are important. So some truths about the expanding church. Number one, um, so those are some myths. Here's some truths. God wants everybody to be saved. God wants everybody to be saved because here's, here's the problem. When we say, well, if the church gets too big, it'll be impersonal. Let me just ask you a hard question. When do we stop sharing the love of Jesus and we say, okay, nobody else can hear about the love of Jesus here. We're capped out. It's too big. What, when is that? Uh, do you get to decide that? When, when, you know, and what if your family member is the lost person that we cut it off at? And we say, oh, sorry. Um, you know, I know your loved one needs the love of Jesus, but we're, we're just too big. We can't take one more. I mean, it'll, if we get one more person, it'll become impersonable. Or, I'm not saying that word right. Impersonable. Uh, you know what I mean. Whatever, I, for some reason, I can't say that word right now. Impersonal. There, is that, did I say it right? Okay, impersonal, thank you. Some of you were coaching me up with your facial expressions, um, <laughs> and I appreciate that. Um, so, uh, but, uh, you know, there, there's just this, what happens when we decide, okay, it's too big. It, now it's whatever, and what if it is, what if it's your loved one? What if it's your friend? What if it's the person that you've been investing in? that we say, well, sorry, they can't now hear, of the, they've got to find another church to hear about the love of Jesus because we've gotten a little bit too big. So th these, are, these are some things that, according to Scripture in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 through 4, this is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. And so according to Scripture, God's vision for our church is way bigger than any of ours. So whatever comfort level our size culture is, and that's different for all of us. Uh, just the truth of the matter is, some of us are just more comfortable in different size cultures. Whatever that is for all of us, and it's different for each of us, whatever that is, God's, God's vision is bigger. God's vision is so big 
that all of us will be uncomfortable if we could wrap our heads around just the, the amount of people that he wants us to reach with his love and, and the impact that he wants us to make in, in their lives. And so uh, we have been created as a church to be the hands and feet of Jesus and to fulfill the mission of Jesus, which is that we would go out and we would seek and save the lost because that's what Jesus' mission was, that we would be a church that would live on mission and, and reach out, and as we go out, as we go to them, that Jesus says, I'll be with you. I will fulfill your needs. I will meet your needs. I will be present with you, and I will transform your life as you go out and fulfill the mission that I have for the church. I, I always think of, um, I didn't run this by Melanie. Um, she'll, uh, she'll like this. Um, uh, so I, the movie Hacksaw Ridge, um, so if, don't judge me, all right, don't judge me. If, you, if you've never seen the movie, um, I'm not recommending it, all right? There's some language in the movie. There's certainly some violence in the movie. Um, uh, don't watch it with your little ones, okay? Um, so there's my disclaimers. Uh, but uh, being, being somebody from the military um, and just this movie Hacksaw Ridge is just a powerful, powerful true story. Um, and, and one of the most powerful scenes in the movie um, is when this guy who was a medic uh, in an army uh, unit just, um, and everybody thought he was a coward because he wasn't willing to carry a weapon and, and all of these things. Um, in one of the, the worst battles on Hacksaw Ridge, when, when they were just being overrun, he would just kept going and saving one soldier. And, and he, would, he would drag him to safety and he would just say, just one more, just one more. And he would go and he would save the next person. He would bring him back and he would, just, just one more, just one more. Give me the strength, Lord, to go. And I just, every time I see that scene in that movie, I think that is, that's what the church should be like. That, that's what the, we, we should always just be like, Lord, just help us reach one more. I'm going I'm to go into the midst of, of the darkness. I'm going to go into the midst of the brokenness. And, and I'm gonna just going to bring them back to the light and bring them back to safety and bring them back to a place where they can experience your love and your grace. Lord, give us the strength to just reach one more. We always have got to have that mission to say, Lord, just one more. Just one more. And if we ever get to the point where we're like, okay, that's enough. That's enough. I, you know, if we, if we reach one more, we'll just be too big. And, and we don't want to be too big. Um, so let's, we, we've got to check our own heart. And we've got to remember that God's mission is that we'd always go and say, Lord, just one more. Help us reach one more. All right, so then there's strength in numbers. I, and again, this is where people don't like it um, when, when preachers talk numbers. But uh, there's, there's strength in numbers. You can do more with more people. There's just a reality in that. This is one of the reasons I like being a part of a global church, of the, the Church of the Nazarene. We're not the only Nazarene church in the world. The Church of the Nazarene's in 157 world areas. Uh, that they're, I always tell, we're, we're the biggest denomination that nobody's ever heard of. Um, and, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're in 157 world areas. We're passionate about spreading the love of Jesus, not just here in the United States, but around the world. And, and one of the benefits of being a part of a global church is we could just do more together than we can alone. Uh, we, we can just partner together to make things happen that we could never do as a local church. Um, and so uh, as we raise up missionaries, hundreds of missionaries and send them around the world, our local church couldn't do that. But as we band together with all of the other Nazarene churches in the world, we're able to send hundreds of missionaries all over the world to make a difference and an impact with the love of Jesus. I, I was just thinking about our local church this year 
Um, there's been a, a 23%, I was going to say 25%, but then the numbers people in here that are in this room would be like, that's not it, it's 23%, Pastor. So I'll just, 23% uh, on average increase for the year uh, over last year. And just think about that. So 23% more people that were connecting with and engaging and reaching this year than we were last year. But here's what I want you to know about this. When it comes to kids, listen to this number. In the 9 a.m. service, there's been an 18% increase in kids um, over this year, over last year. In the 11 a.m. service, there's been a 40% increase in kids from this year over last year. And so as we just think about the, the impact that we're having on children, we, we, can, we can accomplish more together um, as we do ministry and as we have, there, I can't even tell you, 50, 75 volunteers and people that are serving in our 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. service that make an impact on these kids. And we couldn't do that without a lot of people being involved and a lot of people serving and caring. Um, when I think about students, uh, show this picture. This past Wednesday night, uh, we opened up our student center to the students for the first time. So we had a grand opening a while ago, but there were still some details that needed to be worked out. And this past Wednesday, we opened it up, and there were 60-plus uh, people uh, with adults and students uh, in the room. Um, and just phenomenal. I believe it was 53. might have been 50. Was it 53? 54? 53. All right, 53. And I said, thank you, Terry. We'll just be discreet about that as Terry's giving me numbers from the, I feel, that was like a very like baseball kind of thing. Like you were like doing codes to me and that was good. We should keep that thing going. Anyway, um, so just pay no attention to that. Um, so uh, 53 students, 53 students. And I'm just telling you, um, we can't do that without, without so many of you being a part of it. Some of you uh, gave sacrificially to make that student center uh, happen. So those of you who serve in the student ministry, those of you um, who are just a part in many different ways of supporting uh, that student ministry, and I'm, I'm just telling you, that is the beginning. That, that's the, that's the, the very just baseline of where we're headed on the students that we're going to reach um, as, as we make a difference together. Um, this past year, uh, we, we had um, 39 baptisms since March 1st. Um, this past week, we baptized eight people. We baptized three in our 11 o'clock service, um, and then uh, we had an additional five uh, that said, hey, we, we want to have a beach baptism, and and hey, can you help us with that? And we'd been talking about that for a month. And so even though the weather was not perfect, uh, we went out to the beach and we had a beach baptism on Thursday night. And, and because baptism is really for the church to celebrate, um, I thought it was important that we video that. And so I want you to watch this video of this beach baptism this past Thursday.
guys uh, we're all in a small group that are meeting together on Thursday nights and God's just doing good things in this men's group and uh, as they have been talking about baptism and, and the intentionality of taking that step they just said hey we, we need to take this step um, and uh, just so excited about what God is doing and the hearts and lives of people uh, and men and kids and, and women and so um, so Man, we, we could talk about our community playground, but we've been talking a lot about that. I mean, you, I'll just tell you this. Uh, my office window looks out on that community playground, and Monday through Friday, that every day, that, that it, is, it is just packed out. The only, there's only about two hours where there's not people on that playground. It's from about noon to 2 p.m., and I was like, well, that's because it's hot, and my wife was like, no, that's nap time, uh, and I was like, oh, I, I, uh. <laughs> Uh, and so, you know, but that, that's the window where it's empty. But other than that, I mean, it's just packed out. And so the opportunities that we have, the chances that we have to connect with people, to connect with our community, uh, just, just an amazing thing. Um, and then I'll close with this story. Um, or I won't close the sermon, just to be clear, but I'll close with uh, just wrapping up this. Um, the beginning of March, um, we felt like as a church board uh, through various reasons that the Lord was leading us to say would would you trust me with the first um, and and everybody on our church board everybody in the leadership of our church um, we all tithe we all practice this principle of giving God the first off the top and so there was a sense of like of course God yes you know, we'll, we'll do that but we just kind of felt like it was not just for our personal lives, but would you trust us with the first of the fiscal year? And we've never done this before uh, in the history of our church. Certainly in the time that I've been the lead pastor here, we've never done this. But we just sensed um, that this year God was calling us to the first offering of the year, just say, God, you can have this. And, and I'll just transparently, I'll just say to you, this year was a tight year with a budget. I mean, where there's building buildings and you know, like this, this is not the year with a tight budget to say, we're going to give away an entire week offering because, you know, usually the first Sunday of the month is a big offering. And so we just, we didn't know what to do with that, but we prayed about it and we just said, Lord, we believe that you're leading us to do that. And so we just said, okay, Lord, yes. We had no idea what God wanted us to give it to. But we just said, okay, Lord, we'll, we'll trust you, and we'll set that aside, and we won't touch it. Um, we did that, um, and there were several things that happened after that, uh, in, in the couple of months after that, as we just prayed. Um, one of those uh, was a dream that was had, and, and I know some of you say a dream, uh, but uh, oftentimes in Scripture, God speaks through dreams. Um, I, I actually, at about 3 a.m. one morning, woke up and just had a vivid dream that we were buying boats with this money, which is just kind of random. But, but it was one of those things that was so powerful, I got up and I wrote it in my journal. Uh, and I kind of wrote the details of this down um, and just shared that with the board. None of us were, you know, again, nothing real clear about what that meant, but just had that dream. Went to General Assembly this summer. Um, and again, because we're a part of a global church, um, I was talking with a friend of mine who's a missionary um, at General Assembly, and we were talking, and he said, hey, I don't suppose you would want to support this endeavor that my wife and I are trying to do, and I was like, man, I'd, I'd, I'd love to be a part, um, 
does it have anything to do with boats, right? You know, just kind of one of those random things. And he was like, no, not at all. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, and I was like, well, you know, maybe we can help. Then. Yeah, but, but it was just kind of like, oh. But then he said, hey, but you know what? I was just talking to the district superintendent of Fiji, and he was just telling me that they had been praying for months that God would help them with a boat ministry to reach the unreached islands in Fiji with people groups that have never heard the gospel. I was just literally, he's like, so he points to him, he's like, he's right over there, do you want to go meet him? And I was like, yeah, I want to go meet him. So he comes over, he introduces me to Daniel Latou, who's the district superintendent of Fiji, and he says, hey, Daniel, this is Brad, Brad, this is Daniel, um, you know, I was just telling him that you were interested in boats, and he was saying that maybe they had some resources that possibly could help with boats, can you talk about this? And so we got to talking, he shared this vision with me, the, the idea, I came back, shared it with the church board, and we said, hey, let's pray about this. Uh, they gave us the exact amount that they needed to uh, build the kind of boat that they would need to go to these islands with mission groups, and it was a larger boat that they would need. Um, and so they, they gave us all the details, and we said, hey, let's pray about, is this where God would like us to give? So at our last church board meeting, uh, we unanimously decided as a church board that we were going to give all of those resources, so $25,000 that we're giving uh, to this Fiji boat ministry um, to help them. It'll, it'll fully build the boat, and it'll m get them almost there with the motors that they need for the boat. Um, and so you did that. You did that. And, and this, is, this is what I say we can do more together. Um, you didn't even know you were doing that. So those of you who just think back to the first Sunday of March, as you gave your tithes and offerings, and as you did your part, you had no idea when you gave those tithes and offerings that you were going to help start a boat ministry in Fiji that was going to actually reach people groups that have never heard the gospel of Jesus. Um, and, and you just gave. And because a lot of us gave together, yeah, that's worth clapping for us. Somebody, um, because a lot of you gave together, we were able to do something that, that we would have never been able to do with just one or two of us. But as we together do that kind of thing, and, I, and I'll just say, um, God's more than meeting our needs. So we, we gave those resources away, trusting that God would meet our needs. And again, tight budget year, right? Uh, we're, we're over where we anticipated being, well over even after giving those resources because God just takes care of us. You, when you live like this, God meets your needs. Um, and, and whenever we start saying, but yeah, but I got to think about us and I got to take it, it's that outward thinking versus inward thinking. Um, and <clears throat> I'm just, I, I'm so encouraged that we can do more together. We can do more uh, as a church. There's strength in numbers. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says this, and I need to hurry. Uh, <clears throat> a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. All right, so number three, this is, this is the last piece of this section. Relationships must be a core value or a focus. There's just... As the church continues to expand, the church has got to become more and more intentional on relationships. Um, we have to do a better job. And I'll, I'll just say, if you're newer around here and you're sensing, I feel like you're not doing so good with that, Pastor Brad. Um, we, uh, we, uh, we know that, okay? So, so here, here's the thing. We, we want to do better. We're working on doing better. Um, 
And I used to, when I, I used to wait tables, um, and when I would wait tables, and I would be really busy, this is when I was in seminary and college, and, and I'd have like, you know, eight tables I'm taking care of, and there'd be a table that would come in, and they would sit down, and I couldn't get to them, and I knew I couldn't get to them, because I was taking this order, and I, I would always go to the table, and I'd be like, hey, listen, glad you're here, it's going to be about 10 minutes before I can get to you, I'm like really busy, I've got all of these tables, but, but I promise you, like, I'll get to you, yeah. I always found, like, if I would just explain that to people, they were okay for a little bit, maybe not 10 minutes, but you know, they were okay. Um, but if I just ignored them, then it was not okay at all, and they would get upset. And so this is me trying to be a waiter explaining to you, if you're new around here and you're like, but yeah, it's really hard to get into a group, and I, don't, I can't find a group, and, and there's not enough groups. We know that, all right? And we're, we're working, there, there's gonna be some intentionality, and if you don't know this, we are in the midst of trying to hire an adult ministries pastor that's going to oversee our small groups and, and help us connect people better in relationships. That person will be hired hopefully by the end of this year. Uh, and so there, there's a, we're working a plan, and I, just, I need you to just kind of be patient with us and help us with this um, as, as we work to this. As the church reaches more people, We've got to figure out ways to connect people more intentionally, and, and we're working on those plans. Um, and some of you can help us with those plans. Some of you who are newer are the very people that are going to help us develop the systems and are going to be the very people that will help us lead those new groups because uh, it's going to take new people to lead new groups, and it's going to take new host homes to open up their homes to new groups, and it's gonna, there's just going to be a, a lot of partnership that's going to have to happen for us to connect as many new people as are coming here. So, in your, when you think about engaging in communities, just write this down. I'll, I'll go fast through these. When we engage with others, we grow. Um, there is there's something about gathering together here in rows like this, um, but there's just something else about being in a circle and being in connection with other people. Um, we, we grow in relationship with other people. And there's, there's di four different areas of your life. Um, just quickly, the first is the arena. It's the area that, um, that you know uh, about yourself, but other people don't know, right? And, and again, it takes, some, it, it takes some trust levels for you to actually get to the place where you open up and you're a little bit more vulnerable with people, but there are parts of your life that you're aware of that the people in this room aren't aware of, and that's true for all of us, um, and so that's kind of the arena area, and that's an important area. We can learn together. We can grow together, but, but when you get into community, into a smaller group type of community, it, it allows you to focus on these other areas, which the second one is the mask, and this is the area of your life where... Um, you, you know some things about you that other people don't know, but you're willing to actually take that mask off. And, and that takes some trust. Um, and, and that's not going to be with everybody, and that's not necessarily going to be all of our groups, because not all of our groups are designed to be the kind of groups uh, that you kind of take your mask off. But, but hopefully all of our groups will allow you to build some relationships where maybe one person in that group you might be willing to take your mask off where you might be able to have some, some really uh, authenticity. And so God doesn't call us to take our mask off with everyone, but there ought to be some people in your life that you can take your mask off and you can be genuine and you can not just kind of say, hey, I'm blessed. 
when, when really there's just a train wreck going on in your life and, and you need to be able to say, I'm really hurting, I'm in a bad place, I'm, I'm struggling with this and I'm struggling with that. There's got to be people in our life that can do that. The other is the blind spot. This is the area that you don't know, but other people do. Do you know there's some stuff in your life? Um, this week, I had a friend of mine point out a blind spot to me. It was really helpful. They just came to me and they were like, I don't know if you know this, but, and then they just kind of like spelled this out and I was like, oh. And that hurts, you know that? Like, I don't know if you ever had somebody do that for you. It hurts. It's like, oh, but they were right. They were right. It was a, I didn't see it. It was a blind spot, and I needed somebody to point it out to me, and I was able to address it and fix it and, and make things better. Um, <clears throat> but there are blind spots that you have that you won't be able to fix <clears throat> until you open up your life to meaningful relationships with other people that they can point some things out to you. And I don't know if you've ever had a stranger come and a stranger try to point out a blind spot to you? And they go, hey, I don't know if you know this about yourself, but, and then they start listening. Like, and if you're like me, you're like, who are you? And like, why are you talking to me like that? Like, yeah, none of us receive that well from a stranger. But boy, do we receive it well when it's somebody who we care about and it's a friend and it's somebody we're in a relationship with. And then there's the unknown. These are the areas of our life that we don't know, other people don't know, but it is through the context of community and relationship with others that God is able to help us see things in our lives that we just weren't aware of and we're able to change. Proverbs 27, 17 says this, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And then I'll, I'll close with this. It's a place where everybody knows your name. Community is a place where everybody knows your name. I... I um, Remember the song from an old show. Some of you chuckle. Uh, some of you chuckle. Uh, and, and some of you who aren't chuckling are way too young. Um, or, like me, your parents didn't let you watch that show. Um, so I actually have never, I'll say, I've never watched one episode of that show because it was like my parents wouldn't let us watch that. But I saw the commercials because that was like before DVR days where you could like fast forward commercials. So I saw the commercials and I heard this song. I know this song even though I've never seen an episode of this. But I, I, here's the lyrics to this song. Making your way in the world takes everything you got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. They're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see our troubles are all the same. You want to go where everybody knows your name. Now, the sad thing about that song is it's a song about a bar. Um, it's a song about a bar, and it ought to be a song about the church. It ought to be a song about the church. And unfortunately, too many of us want to slip into church, and we want to be on a, So if you wonder, like, why do we do name tag Sunday once a month? It's so everybody can know your name. And some of you are like, I'm not putting a name tag on. Well, help us. Like, we need to know your name, and you need to, you need to know their name. And so when we all wear a name tag once a month on name tag Sunday, it helps us be that kind of a place where we can be a place where everybody knows your name. So um, as, as you think about just the response to this. Um, I, I just, I would challenge us as we close this series that we've got to be a church that expands. We, we cannot get to the point where we're like, well, we're too big now. What, when is it? When are we too big that we can't reach one more person like Hacksaw Ridge? Just one more, Lord, just one more. We've got to always be expanding and reaching more people, but we've got to be intentional about connecting and relationship. And here's there are communication cards in the seat backs in front of you. We're going to close with a song, 
and then we're gonna we're gonna pray. We're gonna have uh, a time of of giving. And I just want to encourage you. There, if if you would say I'm interested in being a group leader, I would I would like to be a group leader. And I don't even know what that looks like, but maybe I'm interested in leading a group, or maybe I'm interested in being a host for somebody who's interested in being a leader, um, or or I don't want to be a leader and I don't want to be a host, but I need to be in a group. And I'm I'm not. I don't have that kind of community. I want that kind of community. Would you just pick up one of those cards, write that down? Say, interested in a leader, interested in, in being a host, or just interested in being in a group. And as we intentionally, in the next few months, bring on new team members and develop new plans, uh, we will be in contact with you, in connection with you, and, and we're, we're going to be intentionally working to say, hey, we're going to keep expanding, but we got to keep engaging people in community because the church is a community. And so let's pray together, and then we're going to sing. Father, I thank you for your presence that's here with us. I thank you for the reminder that this isn't an either-or proposition. This isn't, well, we'll keep expanding, we'll keep reaching new people, but, but we'll become a, a church that doesn't connect. We'll become a church that isn't in deep, meaningful relationships. Lord, it's equally not true to say that we need to be a church that's just in deep, meaningful relationships, but not reaching new people. Lord, help us, help us strike that balance. Help us reach new people at a pace that we can connect them. Lord, I pray that you would help us, even with these new that are here now, uh, begin to develop new groups, begin to develop new teams, to begin to develop new people into meaningful places of ministry. Lord, where, where they can make friendships and relationships. Lord, there are so many different ways that you can connect us. I pray that you would help us as individuals choose to connect is a church create pathways for connection? Lord, we need your help. We, we are we're desperate for you to help us be a church that's on mission, a church that is living out that New Testament model of expanding and reaching new people, but connecting people in meaningful relationships where their lives can be radically changed. Lord, we love you today. We're grateful that you're not finished with us, as a church or as individuals. We pray that you would continue your good work. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.